0: Okay. Well, welcome, Gokul Chandra and Sadhvi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am quite excited to start this new uh, new series called the Sadhaka Interviews. Basically, the idea is that I'm starting, well, I'm kind of like picking up from where the Sadhaka's journey um, series ended. And I'm thinking of starting with interviews with different devotees, but also expanding it to like maybe at some point to like panels and like different kinds of conversations that are not only about the Sadaka's journey, but also just kind of expand the scope of the whole thing. But we'll start off with uh, Gopal Chanda this week. Um, then I wanted to also say that the, the Sadaka's journey um, series was always like by far the most um, popular out of all the Tattva classes. And it makes a lot of sense because like you can hear philosophy all day But then to really get this like practical boots on the ground kind of experience of how like people's actual lives of how bhakti plays out in their lives, it's uh, somehow it's like a lot more compelling for us. And it's like kind of like speaks to us on the level where we're at. And like, it's so much like relevant to our lives and stuff. So I really wanted to continue this kind of conversation. And it's also just a great way of kind of like letting, uh, getting to know different people in our sangha, because we're all over the place as a sangha. I mean, look, all over the world, probably on every continent minus Antarctica, practically. And so this is a great way, I think, to come together and, and uh, learn about each other and learn to know each other. Of course, I know Gokul already, at least somewhat from, from previously, but a lot of you guys might not. So I guess with that, let's just jump into it. And I'm gonna read a little bio that Gokul Chandra wrote about himself. So let's start with that. So Gokul Chandra, then Patrick, grew up as a Christian inspired by the person and teachings of Jesus and his faith, and Gokul's faith was always very important to him. In his childhood, he was introduced to Krishna consciousness by his older brother, who started practicing bhakti after meeting some devotees in their hometown. Gokul Chandra became very much attracted by how his brother changed as a person. Gokul thought to himself that there must be something very valuable in this process and became inspired to start chanting. After his graduation, Gokul Chandra moved to live in London, where he met his very good friend Ram Govinda. Ram Govinda invited Gokul to join him on his trip to Vrindavan, where Gokul Chandra met Guru Maharaj, Shila uh, B.V. Chippurari Maharaj, for the first time. After that, he tried to make an effort to see him, his guru, at least once a year in Finland or Poland. In 2009, Gokul Chandra went to Maduvan for a few months to join devotees in developing the project. And three years later, he quit his job and moved to live in Audaria. He stayed there for two years. And after a short stay in Costa Rica and Vrindavan, he moved back to Europe. Currently, Gokul Chandra lives in, in London. He likes listening to Guru Maharaj's classes, cooking for Krishna and the devotees, gardening, and looking after cows, and doing kirtan. Okay, well, welcome. Go cool. Thank you. And you. Yeah, nice to have you here. Um, I would like to start with a question that goes right to the beginning. and Basically, I'm interested in hearing, like what was the first religious or spiritual experience that you remember from your childhood?
1: Well, that's a that's a good question. So I mentioned that I, I grew up as a as a Christian. So I think the the first kind of experiences that would be when I was maybe I don't know six or something like that. And I was um I was always very uh, attracted to to prayer to the idea that there is um there is someone up there you know that is. Uh, that cares about you and, and you can you can aspire to have a relationship with this person so that would be i, I would go like every now and then to church but i would i, I would pray like every day i think so that, would, that i don't i don't remember that much about what this kind of experiences were but i know what they were there because uh, i i know that it was always like uh quite important for me.
0: Sorry I'm, I'm unmuting, muting myself. So, so your parents, were they Christian? Or like, what I was wondering about is like, mm. that was the 80s, right, in, in Poland. And you were still a communist country back then. So like, were your parents Christian? And like, how was it back then in terms of like, could you be openly religious or was it suppressed in any way? What was it like?
1: I think you could, you could openly be definitely uh, a Catholic. So Poland is predominantly Catholic. There's like ninety something percent of people who belong to a Catholic Church. So um, my my parents they're they're not uh, they're not practicing. My both of them they they grew up as as Catholics as Christians, but I wouldn't say that they that they practice. It's like very important like in daily life for them. And but in terms of Krishna consciousness and and practicing Krishna consciousness. That was a little while ago, so uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't that easy because um, it was considered back then to be something very dangerous, even you know something suspicious, something super you know oriental. No one knows what it is, and there's these young people de- dancing on the street, and it looks kind of a little bit crazy. <laughs> so it was, it, it wasn't easy. I had I had many experiences when I was growing up, uh, when I was growing up at school. So when I was going to school, I had my uh, um, teacher who was teaching us religion. And I remember I had like many kind of talks and arguments with her and the, the, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that, that easy. I think it took many years for people to get used to being open to different you know cultures traditions back then it was a little bit different
0: yeah i remember even i think it was like 2013 or 14 i went to the polish retreat with gurumash and we were wearing devotional clothing and there were these thugs yeah. at the airport and they were like really aggressive and i don't normally get that at the end really? yeah so maybe it's still kind of yeah. like they have that catholic and mixed with the communist idea about certain things so some I mean overall it was fine but there were these couple of guys that were like quite intimidating but so then I was also interested like would the government actually like suppress the devotees like you said that your brother became a devotee when you were a kid so like do you remember them getting on his case or the temple's case or like how did the government if they did anything what, what did they actually do
1: no, I, I don't think the government was doing anything. I, at this stage, uh, it was already after the change of the it, the pollen wasn't communistic uh, anymore. But there, it took many years for you know the whole change kind of transfer to take place. So the, so the government or no, no one was really doing anything. But uh, but uh, the mentality of people were everyone uh, they, they were not really open to anything you know, from different culture, especially religion, because Poland is really a religious country. And so um, nothing kind of formal, nothing from government, but uh, people will not that uh, positively, you know, uh, looking at it. I think it, it took some time for them, for them to get used to
0: it. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, and then, so then, how old were you when your brother became a devotee?
1: I was, um, I was quite young, I was, I was, I think, maybe eight. Oh, wow. He became a devotee, yes, he he became, he's six years, six years older than me. So he was 13, 14 when he was, when he was practicing. So uh, I was, I was uh, was quite young, and as I mentioned, um, I, when I when he started practicing Krishna consciousness, I, I had no idea, of course, what it what it was, and I must say I wasn't really I, I was myself quite you know um, careful and, and suspicious and it's uh, you know it's it's a different kind of religion and all that. But as I mentioned, I, I definitely I could see what influence it had on him, so how he changed as a person, and that made me think like this is I mean there's some there's something there definitely because to for a young person who can be doing like literally anything you know he's a he's a growing up teenager he could do whatever he wants, but he's just chanting and reading and, and praying uh, that, that was quite uh, that was quite something
0: hmm. so he was a pretty serious devotee then he
1: was a he was a quite serious devotee for uh, he wasn't he he didn't practice for very long so the, that was maybe like two years but it was very intense. He was kind of living a, a temple kind of schedule in, in our flat, you know, waking up at 4, 4 a.m. doing RT. And he would shave his head see when he was 13. He would go to high school. <laughs> so yeah, he, he was quite serious. He was taking it very seriously.
0: There's an expression in the US, sitting duck, like a target for bullies and stuff. <laughs> a real sitting duck in high school with the in Poland, huh? <laughs>
1: right yeah
0: so that's interesting you saw like how it changed him but the practices or any of the philosophy or anything it didn't attract you at first so yeah I was going to ask like do you remember the moment when you because devotees always if they've had like it seems like if they've had a significant amount of sukriti from their past lives they have this kind of like uh, kind of like a light bulb moment when moment when they realize that this is my thing, so did you have that moment, or was it more like a gradual thing?
1: I think it was more of a gradual thing because i was I was already to some extent uh, practicing spirituality, so it was more of a gradual thing and um uh, but the more I, I I got to know about what it is about the 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 ideal. Uh, the more I was uh, drawn to that and and uh, you know attracted to that. I remember my my brother would um, read to us stories from Krishna book or or stories from Srimad Bhagavatam about you know Lord and and I would, I would start going for walks with him chanting together. So um yeah, so then I mean quite quickly, I, I realized that this is something where I really want to do. i I want I want practice this for sure.
0: So you must have been really young when you decided to basically become a devotee. Like, how old were you, 10 or something? <laughs> Prahlad Maharaj. I think,
1: I think maybe I was 9 or 10 or something like that.
0: Wow. So, so yeah. that's interesting. So did you like feel like I am a devotee or was it more kind of like you were combining Christianity and, and Christian consciousness?
1: no no I, I wasn't combining it no no i was i was practicing uh just just krishna consciousness it was it was quite uh, natural for me because there was no no internal conflict you know there was absolutely no internal conflict i could see that you know that the goal is very similar there is that there are very similar values it's just in, in a different kind of form but it was very easy for me uh, actually to kind of transfer
0: yeah, that's beautiful. It's kind of like what Vinod says about Christianity, that it's like the closest religion to Vaishnavism.
1: I think it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think well, it
0: comes from the horse's mouth since you were like a, a, a Christian at first. And then that's really interesting to me. That it was so like seamless, even you were so young and it was a totally seamless transition like that. Yeah. Um, so then you've basically been chanting since you were 10 years old, huh?
1: Yes, I, I I had a I had like a short break. So so what happened? I, I started chanting, and soon after after I started chanting, my my brother stopped practicing. So that was a huge blow for me. Uh, that made it very very difficult. I didn't know any devotees. I was very young. There were there were a few devotees in my town, but I didn't know them personally. Before there were like regular meetings, but that that wasn't happening anymore. So, I was just uh, left on my own, and I found it quite difficult. And so, um, I got a little bit discouraged, and I stopped chanting maybe for two years. but but at the same time, I knew that the only reason why I'm not doing this is because i'm I'm just on my own, you know, I, I knew that that's the case. And I thought to myself, like the very moment I'll meet someone who is who is practicing, i'll I'll pick it up straight away. And that actually would happen like maybe two years after I met one guy who was a little bit uh, um, attracted to devotees. He didn't know much. He didn't know much philosophy, anything like that. But I talked to him and I asked him, like, do you wanna, do you wanna start chanting, you know? And he said, yeah. And, and from that day, I started chanting again. And, uh, yeah, and I continued, so I had a
0: little, a little break, but... So basically you had to make a devotee to, to keep chanting yourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the first devotee you made, huh? Well no, made, a, you let, it. yeah.
1: He unfortunately he didn't he didn't uh, continue anything like that. But <laughs> at but
0: least but he helped you me. One. He helped me very much. Exactly. That's very cool. Um. So then, from there on, like, what happened after that? Like, did you connect with Iskon, or like, how did you continue your spiritual life?
1: So from then, um, like it's It's very interesting, but for for a very long time i was I was kind of alone on my own, you know, practicing. I was also very young. And um every time I would meet devotees, i was I would see a devotee like walking down the street. I would be so excited, you know, and uh, and after after years i um I started traveling to uh, temple in Warsaw. so it's Iskon Temple. And back then, there was practically no other devotees than devotees from Iskon, And I didn't know that there is anyone that anyone could be outside of ISKCON. You know, that was just like devotees means uh, ISKCON. And um, then I started uh, studying at the university. I moved to a different uh, city. And then I met some devotees from uh, Shichitaya Mission. So the, they are disciples of Siddhasarupananda. Uh, Paramahamsa, he's from Hawaii, I think. So back then they had like the largest center in the world, in, in, like their sangha, in the, like, there was like 60 people. And that was very interesting. It was a very interesting experience because the first time I saw them, uh, there were there were some posters about, you know, Hare Krishna meetings. I went there and I saw them and they were not wearing sikhas. They were like some of them long haired, none of them were wearing dotties, you know, they were playing like drums and guitars and all of that. So my first impression was like, um, that's strange, you know, is that is this like is this okay? Is this <laughs> But very quickly, I realized, like, yeah, of course, it's OK. Of course, there are devotees, you know, they have the Guru. They, they try to serve him, try to love him. And that was a very good experience, actually, for me, because that kind of opened uh, my eyes that there are some other devotees, other groups. And, you know, they're also sincere and they, they, they follow their path. And then after that, uh, I moved to London after I graduated uh, my university. I moved to London. And then, as you as you mentioned in my bio, I met Ramagovinda. So I, I didn't know him from Poland. We didn't know each other. We were from different places, but we we became friends, and uh, and he invited me for the uh, uh, retreat in Vrindavan. That you were there in Virginia, uh, you both were there, and uh, yeah, and I decided decided to go. I never heard uh, about Guruji, never heard anything about him. I would never heard his name, even you know, I didn't know who he was. And I just went there, and I met I met Guru Mahaj, I met devotees, and yeah, that's 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 how it started.
0: It's funny when you. Said the name of Gurumah, he called me. It was like you called, you know, you invoked <laughs> him or something. I had to turn off my phone, unfortunately. But yeah, so I wanted to backtrack a little bit before the, the 2007 um, retreat, and that is so. You studied law, right? You you became a lawyer, yeah. right? But I remember you telling me in Audaria about ten years ago that you actually never worked a day as a lawyer.
1: Yeah, I just I just graduated, you know, uh, in law, so got master's degree. But after I after I graduated, because my my family was already living in UK, so I just didn't want to be away from them. I I wanted uh, live close to them, so I moved to UK, and just for for practical reasons, you know, like um, there's a different law system in UK. I would have to. Mm-hmm put a lot of work into that a lot of finances that i did i, I didn't have you know to practice that if i if i stay in Poland, of course i would go in, into that direction but more for practical kind of and, and the circumstances you know i, I never yeah i never uh, pursued pursue that in my life but but also i was i was never that that much attracted to it in the, in the first place i must say i never felt like that's something that i'm passionate about or so, I guess there is no loss there.
0: Yeah, I remember you telling me in Naya that like the kind of people mostly that ended up in law school you couldn't relate to them at all, like they were all about money and getting head and all this like status and stuff was it I mean a hard aspect aspect for you
1: yeah, I mean, I mean, uh of course there's there's like a lot of good people there and but um I guess. I, I didn't yeah I didn't feel like this is something that I would like to center my life around you know um and, and it, it, it's not very much true because you could use everything for Krishna right so it's not like but but somehow I just didn't feel that much uh that much attracted to it and and all this time all this time i was thinking about actually going to to ashram you know like it was it was on, on my mind all the time and i was kind of like uh, in between like should i should i start a career should i go to to live in the ashram and then i found myself that uh you know if i don't go to ashram i'll always think about it, I'll always regret that you know so it's better to do that because it, uh, i have to do it first and then and then whatever make some life changes so so it uh, was it was in my mind
0: all the time so the, when did that start like when did you start kind of desiring the ashram life
1: oh that, that started when i was a teenager Wow! Oh. <laughs> but i never i never i never made the move i started i um, started studying at the university so that wasn't an option anymore and then um, when i moved to uk I was I was thinking about it, and um, and one day Gumach sent me a message, and I, I, I was thinking about it like quite intensely, you know. Um, that was just before I I, I went to Madovan. I was that year. I was thinking like, yeah, I, I should, I really want to go. And gumach sent me a, a an email on my birthday, like out of nowhere, you know. Like um, this is your birthday, and this is such a Valuable life that you have, so use it wisely. And so when I got this 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 email for myself, like yeah, tack. yeah, this is the the time that I, this year I'll definitely go. So I I started some planning, and uh, I wanted to go to to Audaria, but I didn't get a visa. So for that reason, I I, I went to Madhavan, and then uh, yeah, and then I came back. And then I was thinking how to go to Audaria, you know, just making plans. It took me a little while to, to get a visa. And then I, actually, before I, before I moved there, I went there one year before for three weeks to kind of see if, you know, I can be there because I've never been in, a, in an environment like that. And I was super excited, super enthusiastic, happy, you know, being there. It was so, so wonderful, such a wonderful place. So I came back and for a year, I kind of make plans, some arrangements, you know, save some money, and then I quit my job, and, uh, and yeah, and I moved to Aldaria.
0: Let's backtrack a little bit. I, I definitely want to talk more about that, but I wanted to ask you the first time you met Guru March, and then also the, at least for me, the Vrindavan retreat was like a mind-blowing experience, but I want to hear your side of it, like just tell me a little bit about like when you meet Gromach for the first time. What was your first impression, and then how did it grow from there?
1: Yeah, so when I went to when I went to Vrindavan and I met all of you there, like I, besides Ramagovinda, I didn't know anyone, you know. And I'm 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 rather like a shy person. I'm not really. I don't find it that easy to you know make. Uh, uh, get to know new people and, and make quickly friendship and anything like that. So I felt a little bit, uh, it was a little bit di- uh, like difficult, I must say, for, for a few reasons. While well, that was my first experience of India. So there was this kind of cultural shock that it took me like a few days to kind of get used to it. You know, I wasn't expecting that. And, and also I, did, I didn't know the devotees. I, I didn't know myself kind of like a little bit like an uh, outsider. But um, but when I met Guman, one thing that really struck me is that uh, he's someone special, you know. That, that this is um, um, here's a person, and he's got something very tangible, very very real, you know. And that was my that was my impression, like straight away. And there's like a sadhu. I didn't I didn't know what to think about it. You know, I didn't know anything about him, but I knew one thing that is very very good for me that i that I'm there. That that's one that one thing that I knew, and uh, and last day uh, uh, because I I I didn't want to leave without talking to Guru Mahesh. and I actually asked you for for because you were no, arranging that. I and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was uh, I was waiting outside because that was like a last day, so it was like a few hours left, and everyone was leaving. And I was, I was in the court, courtyard there, just walking, chanting Japa. And Grumaj, because I was staying with Raman Vinda just next to Grumaj, in the room next to Grumaj. And he walked out of the room and he asked me like, oh, you want to talk? So come. And he invited me in the room. I was like super, you know, nervous, didn't know what to say, didn't know. But one thing that he made me immediately very comfortable like extremely comfortable, like talking to him. And I remember someone, someone walked into his room, there was some um, to ask something, someone wanted to talk to him and he's like, no, no, I'm busy right now, I'm talking with Patrick. And um, and he said, because um, I, I asked him, I, I knew that he's some, someone special. So I asked him like, is there anything that I could do, you know, some kind of service, anything small that I, I could be like connected to you in some way. And and he asked me, like, do you want me to uh, look after you? And I said, Yes, yes. And this is this is like 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 it started. And then um the, the same year, because the, the retreat was in February. So the same year there was a retreat in Finland on the island, and I went there. And when I think when Gumash saw me, he was a little bit surprised that I came, you know, because he was like, Oh, you're here, okay. <laughs> But but since then I was trying to like every year to to make the effort that was like my priority you know to go to Finland when we, when it was organized in Finland to go to Poland yeah so my my kind of relationship with match was was gradual which also I'm, I'm I'm very happy I'm very happy about it you know because um, like I, I I've I've known Guru for uh like 16 years but I I don't know who he is I I can't really understand really who he is you know that's one that 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 I know you know I can't I just I I I don't know but but uh the more time I, I I spend with him or listen to him or meet him I I could see like more and more and more there you know like the depth the depth that he has the realization the kind of qualities of character that he has like like for me he's 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 like a real stud you know and i feel like so fortunate that i have someone like that in my life that's that's really like winning a lottery or something
0: (laughs) yeah for sure so you met him for the first time in 07, but how long did it take you to get the take initiation? When did you take initiation?
1: So um I took Harinam in two years later. So I went to, to Madhuvan, and, and Gumach was supposed to go there, but something happened. He couldn't he couldn't come. So but that same year I, I met him in in Finland and uh, yeah, and he gave me Harinam initiation. And then when I moved to Adyar in 2012, so uh, he gave me dictionary initiation on on Radastani. So that was soon after I, I I went there.
0: Nice. Um. So okay, I'm I'm kind of trying to track your whole journey here. So when you went back to Vrindavan, I mean back to London from the Vrindavan retreat, did that like change in anything for you in terms of like? Like, did you already? I guess you did say that you had agreed with Gurumach that you wanted him to look after you, which basically means that you'll be his disciple. So that was like you decided then that you want to be Gurumach's disciple. Is that accurate?
1: In in a way, in a way, yes. There was like no kind of formal thing. I, I didn't know how it really worked back then. You know, I didn't know what to make of it, but but I knew that I definitely want to. Uh, Make an effort to see him, you know, as uh, whenever I can, and to to have some connection, like to do some service. I, one thing that that I uh, that I knew that it's very good for me that I have connection with him, you know. But very shortly, because that was like I met him in 2007, when I went to Madhavan. Of of course, I already knew that I wanna um, he he is my guru and and uh, I have a relationship with him. And, the disciple so it it didn't it didn't take uh take long but um when i f- first met guru maj like as i said i n- i never heard about him before so i absolutely didn't know who he was so it kind of took me a little while to kind of get to know him you know as a person just find out who he is and, so yeah yeah something like that
0: and so basically then you went back and you just you were a postman back then right wasn't that what you were yeah i was working as a postman yeah so you're just doing your practice and and being a postman and then then you went to maruwan now in 2009 maruwan was only like maybe two years old and i you know i was there in 2007 2008 and i remember what it was like so i'd love to hear your experience of what that kind of early day pioneering what was it like for you because it's a huge like Kind of like a cold turkey experience to go from like just being a having a regular job in London to go to the you know the jungles of Costa Rica to pioneer an ashram. So what was it like for you?
1: It, it was it uh, it was quite a shock, you know, <laughs> and uh, because I had I had completely uh, completely different expectations. I, I I I was going there thinking that I, I was. Constantly thinking of going to Audaya, you know. So there's a there's a temple. There there's like programs, schedule. We have classes, you know. We, um, but but so that, that was something that I was expecting uh, going to Madhuban. So when I went there, it, it was quite 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 a shock. Not not in a negative sense or anything like that, but it was like oh, like everyone was, was so busy, you know, with doing just practical service. That was kind of like a shock to me because um, I was surprised that, you know, um that kind of showed me that that actually party can also be like the uh, regular, you know, kind of menial service. You know, I mean theoretically I knew that, but I didn't have experience of that, you know. So that so that that was a very good uh, um a very good experience to to be exposed to that and uh yeah there was only uh three other devotees there and everyone was super busy with you know uh, planting and harvesting rice planting beans and doing different uh, many different things so it was it was quite austere and um, and i was there in the rainy season but also i, I think that was like my f- first kind of exposure to more very very secluded place there's just few people, you know, everyone is busy. They meet they meet each other like for like an hour a day or something, you know. So I was difficult. That was difficult because I I was on my own. I was with myself. And I never had that experience uh before. So it it was quite interesting. But Madhvan itself is such a wonderful, like amazing place. And um, and the second time when I went there, so that was after I think like five years or something. So it was already developed, you know, with many cabins and everything nicely made. And I could really appreciate that, you know, I could really appreciate how this place changed and how much effort was put there to make that happen. And only like with few people, it's like, it's a jungle. It's, it's huge and uh yeah so that, that was a wonderful experience but at the same time it was quite uh challenging because of the being uh, such a seclusive uh environment you know and just a few of us there so i had like a different expectations uh
0: I, that always reminds me of this one movie i can't remember the name of it but it's about this is it like a based on a true story movie about this uh, female saint like a christian saint and she was so radical that she was kicked out of her, uh, uh, what's the like, her uh, monastery or something. And she decided to start a new monastery with only women. And so they built the whole thing themselves. And so then, months into it, the the other nuns start like revolting against the the main lady because they're just like, we're just working here. We came here to you know do spiritual practice. We're just like busting yeah. out of butts here. Yeah. They yeah. started like. Revolting against the the leaders, so it's like it was always reminded me of how those days were. Like it was just such heavy emphasis on practical service because we had to establish something. But it, it's definitely it can be hard for the mind. So back then, you, there was no temple programs. That I guess there was no the, the temple ex- extension didn't exist. Right, there was just the cabin. Yeah.
1: yeah, so just the cabin, and we had we had duties in the we had the covered in the kitchen. And we had, so once a day we had, I think maybe it was in the morning if I, or maybe afternoon, just one kind of program. We had RT and sing something, maybe read. But, and on, on some days we didn't have even that because everyone was so busy, you know, it was maybe raining, some mudslide or something happened. And we would have to deal with that, so, but, um yeah it was very different to my expectation of like living in temple, you know having like a regular schedule, a lot of deity worship, and a lot of that. but as I say it was it was a wonderful experience because like Guru just says, that kind of helped me realize, you know like very often he says this you know uh um and mopanam and uh, all this kind of, you know, this this uh, this uh, practical service and and that was that was like a teaching for me. I had experience of that. And many of our Chayas like Jagannath Babaji, he he always put an emphasis on that. You know, He's just go into garden, pick some flowers. And I'm not saying I understood that, but it helped me with appreciating appreciating that more. You know, um, and after all, all of that is for Guru and and for Krishna. So. I, I found it like very. It's very purifying. It's very powerful. I must say this kind of this kind of service, especially that you're you're on your own. Uh, like sometimes you may be struggling a little bit. You're tired. You just said that, but things they they need to be done. So there is a great value in that, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And Braj Sundari, who was one of the originals, says that on Sunday there was a puja for the sh- shilas. Therefore, we did not have morning programs on that day. Right. From one of the originals. Um what was I gonna say? Yeah, well, I mean, it's so glorious though, that it was, you know, people like uh, Gore and Sham and anybody who was in the original pioneering stage, you were there and other devotees too. Like the existing Madhuvan is ba- like built on the backs of those devotees. Like they they enabled this. At first, it was Guru Marsh, and like with Vrindaranya, they got the whole thing going. And now it's like the, the Shamsundar, Gorsundar, Pradeshundari took it from there. And now it's this like wonderful place that's like so accommodating for devotees and everything. So, I mean, that's very glorious in itself that some devotees sacrificed for other devotees and for their guru. And now we have this beautiful place. Um, so if but if we move on from there to 2012, that's when you move to Audarya. And it's interesting, like we kind of went past each other because Pindran and I moved out of Audaria in 2011 in the late fall. So you moved in 2012. What time What what time of the year? Was
1: it, it? it was fall as well.
0: Okay, so about a year after. Mm-hmm. And so that had been, based on what you said, that had been kind of your dream. And then you finally got your dream. Yeah. But so did you have the same experience as in Madhuvan that it it was actually more difficult than you had expected? Or what was your experience of Audaria?
1: No, no, it... it um uh i didn't have um i, I was uh, like so happy and so enthusiastic and inspired when i when i came to adaria it was so wonderful, such a beautiful place i mean marivan as well but such a beautiful place the the temple i mean and and the fact that that you know like devotees like you and you, you you build it yourself you know that, that's that's so so wonderful and the deities being there with Guru Maharaj and Agni Dev and, and Ashtra Maharaj was there. And I became friends with, with other devotees who were there, you know, with Shamananda, uh, Mangaldar, Madhu Mangal. So we became, uh, we became like really close, you know, we became like like brothers, you know, we spent, um, I was there for two years. So we spent all this time together and helping each other and, and supporting each other. So, it it was amazing. I was so so inspired, so happy, so happy being there. But but also uh is also secluded. <laughs> and that's I what makes it a little bit challenging, you know, for certain people probably like like me. So at some point I started like struggling a little bit, you know. I started I started uh um struggling with my mind and and uh and yeah, so it, it was uh, it was a little bit different. Like the the first year was, was just wonderful, you know, but then kind of winter and and this and that. <laughs> Winters are a little bit tougher. <laughs> and
0: uh... like right now, full rain. It's, gonna be, it's been raining like a week, and <laughs> so then it's gonna be another eight days. So yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. you remember. And then you're in I the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, when you came here, I, I can't quite remember what was going on, but what was the program like back then? And what, like, what were the aspects that you really enjoyed about the ashram life? Because you you'd been like dreaming about this since you were yeah. a teenager. So what were the best aspect aspects of that lifestyle? Like,
1: yeah, like for me personally, it's being being in in like just place, you know, that was the main thing, it, it, be it Maruvan or Audarya, the fact that, that I was there and this is his place, you know, so I felt like um, very, like, it's like a huge privilege, that's that's how I felt, and the fact that he, he was not there all the time, but just the fact that, you know, I know he's, he's there in his house, I could see, like, uh, in early hours, like, you know his light on and his chanting and so and and having uh association with him he would come some he would give uh, classes he would eat lunch with us and all of that that was like the the most wonderful thing and um the deities these are this is his ashram his deities. so that's like so so special and 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 the program like, I never I mean I stayed in temples I you know being around devotees but i never kind of lived for a prolonged period of time in the temple so having this this program like classes and i i also wanted to to learn you know i wanted to learn to like the deity worship and and, and cooking and different different things because uh, i i didn't have much experience with that so i felt like uh, i would like to learn that so yeah being much being the deities and the devotees and be, becoming friends with devotees, the fact that we had the uh, Mangalarati, then Gaurarati, all of that—it's just so wonderful. It's like a, it's like a, uh like every day was the same, right? But there was like this special moment in the morning when everyone comes. It's maybe still dark, and and the door open, and there is <laughs> Gauri there, and so like very very beautiful uh, moment. Yeah,
0: nice. Um, so then you said that you started struggling after a couple like after a couple of years. Um, this kind of stuff, I think it's like important to talk with devotees so that there's not this like shame around that or some kind of like you you kind of isolate the so-called negative experiences and then you act like everything's Jai Hari Ball all the time. So if you don't mind, I, I'm interested in hearing a little bit about what was it exactly that started like um, becoming difficult for you and like what would you say was the main reason that you then decided to move out of Audari?
1: Yeah so I think I, I, can, I can only like speak for myself right but um, I think because I, I noticed I, I experienced that in, in Madhavan as well but like all these all these ashrams they're really far away from the world so you're really on your own you really on your own. I mean there are so many devotees, but there's it's not like a huge crowd or anything like that so you're you're with your own for a long long time you know and um that may be a good thing, but I think in general people that that what what that causes it to all the maybe things that we may struggle emotionally or whatever we may have from our past to kind of come to the surface at some time because Nagumar like says it's an ego facing path and especially in this kind of environment i mean you wanna you wanna face that to some degree you know but at the same time it's extremely um, it may be very overwhelming, or, be very, or even scary, because you're—you're—that's you, you're, my kind of experience to some degree. You're facing your demons, you know. There's like purification and all of that. So things that you're—you're you're really afraid in yourself, or maybe you're struggling, whatever—they're coming to the surface. So, so that was kind of like my experience. And after some time, these things started coming. Uh, and, and I started struggling, and um, like one thing I, I think, like yeah, I mentioned that to you, um, like I had problems with sleeping, and I, I like struggling with that for, for a long time, but because of, you know, we had to wake up early early morning because, you know, we in the ashram, so I was kind of like, kind of sleep deprived a little bit, and this and that, and then things uh, coming through me, one thing that I was struggling, like I went there with this kind of mentality, all or nothing, and that was a big mistake, you know. <laughs> like I think, I think one in in one of your interviews, you said like take it day by day, and I think this is like the best advice ever, you know. I thought to myself when I was going there, okay, I'm going there, and it's, I'll stay forever, or I don't know, it's like a failure, you know. I didn't go there with the with the idea I'll go there for one year, two years, I'll see how it goes, you know. And and that wasn't good because I was putting a lot of pressure. So, because it's it's day by day, like you don't have any sense of time and, and this kind of idea that, okay, so I'm here, so I'm probably going to be here for the next five years, 10 years, maybe four years of my life. This kind of like a thinking, you know, that just builds, builds up the pressure. And then, like you said, there's this kind of shame around that. that I mean, I was very, very... Uh, kind of, uh, well, one thing that I didn't know what was going on, you know, like I, now I have, from from the perspective of time, I have much better understanding of myself, you know, I, I can mature as a person and I can see it for where it was, but back then I couldn't understand it that well. So, um, yeah, and, and there's this shame, you know, there's this shame that I kind of, uh, um, you know, I want to kind of like, please, Guru Maharaj, but then like, oh, I'm struggling, maybe I should, I I want to leave or something like this. I I, I did feel uh, shame connected with that. You know, it wasn't easy. It was, that's why I think um, uh, it was kind of building up inside of me, you know, I was struggling. I I had to go to kind of like a breaking point that I realized like, yeah, okay, Uh, I, I see, like probably I have to. I have to leave and I have to address some things in me, you know, first. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. That's such a common like experience for, I, th- I would say, most people who join the ashram is that like it becomes so hard. But then it's this all or nothing. Like you said, it's so much like that. Yeah. For me, it's like do or die, right, right, right. I you know. Like, yeah little bit of this macho thing on some level it's like you know i'm a you know how sridhar march always talks about he has all these like war uh uh, what's the word um comparisons and stuff so Mm -hmm. it kind of pumps young guys up a lot (laughs) and then you're some kind of soldier and then you go to war and then you realize oh this is a lot harder than i thought and it's not i'm not the glorious hero that i thought i was yeah and then there's that time when you start realizing, like, I don't think I can do this. But but I said I was going to do this forever. I said it to myself. I gave a promise. And then that whole, like, it's such a, like, a humiliating process when you have to admit that actually I'm nowhere spiritually and all this stuff. And unfortunately, many people at that time, they either turn against the guru or they turn against the philosophy, at least for a short time, because that's, I guess it's like a psychological coping mechanism or something not to be totally devastated by it and but it seems like you didn't have that maybe you're more humble than your average devotee or something but somehow you didn't seem to have that you realized that you had a problem or like you had to work certain things out and so then that's very interesting to me in terms of like when you went back to England how was that like like how did you start the process did it did it crash you for a while and then you got back on your feet or what happened
1: actually actually, before we get into that, I just wanted to to mention something because like you're you're right, I have like very similar kind of realizations, you know, from my experience, and it's very much you have you know I had this idea that I'm kind of like someone who you know like you said, like the soldier would be like this and then the world is is uh, crumbling and like what is happening like i thought i'm somewhere there but i'm like way down there you know it's a very humbling experience and there's this whole thing of the like preserving ego, you know because it's 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 not shameful in a way that is there's nothing wrong but i just want to hold on to this image that i have you know like oh this and that so it's very humbling and um and and i and that that's very true. Usually, people in this kind of circumstances, because there's this kind of uh, emotions and, and and all this conflict inside, that people at some point they can't deal with that, and it has to go somewhere. There has to be some reaction, you know. And I don't completely agree with you with you on that. And actually, I'm not that like humble or anything because I like internally I was going through like difficult uh, moments and it It wasn't like it wasn't conscious, you know, it wasn't conscious like I was thinking something negative, but I, I have many things like ma- many thoughts, like or feelings that you know, like um, for example, like am I being appreciated? you know, like, am I being noticed? you know things like that. And um, and back then, I couldn't understand that at well. And so, um. But now I, I, I for what I can from the perspective that I can see it, for really what it was. I was given an opportunity, so I was grew much like welcom welcoming in his in his home, you know. He gave me like you have all the environment, you have all the tools you need, you know, you for growth, for sacrifice, you know. And then I thought to myself, like, okay, but what am I getting back? You know, like I'm just feeling like it's tough, you know. Like I don't want to be here anymore. I was expecting that I'll, I'll get something else, you know. But what I what I got from that it was purification, which was hurtful, you know. It was painful. And uh, so it's very difficult to kind of uh, harmonize these two things. But really, what I was getting is now that I can look at it, you know, uh, what I was getting just opportunity to sacrifice to purify the heart. And it's just it is it is it, it can be painful, but it's very um, very valuable. And um, that was a great lesson. I mean, that, that was I'm, I'm so happy about it because that really, you know, helped me helped me to to mature and um, like a little bit and and just appreciate appreciate devotees as well. Because I I was there with other devotees and. You know, I would—I I, wasn't like some. Uh, there was other devotees who were like, to some degree, maybe at some point struggling, and so with it, like you said, it's a very common thing because you're you're left with your with your mind, and there's this whole purification that's taking place, which is like stuff. So yeah, so um, there were other devotees, but it helped me really appreciate. I I meant like so now how I look about it, with someone is practicing Krishna consciousness and is. Like is living in the ashram, making sacrifice for the guru, and and doing things. I mean, we don't know what's what's going on inside this person, so we don't know how much this person is really sacrificing. You know, I remember one one of 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 our God brothers, and I mean, he was living the in the ashram and everything, but for him it was way more. He had to put a lot more effort because he didn't have the like the uh, maybe capacity you know for some people it may be easier for some people it may be much harder it really depends on the on the experiences from the from 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 your childhood or your previous samskaras so not everyone is kind of it kind of looks like everyone's giving equally but it's not necessarily the truth so it kind of really helped me to appreciate devotees more because everyone is individual everyone is struggling with something at the end of the day we as a devotees, we're supposed to go through one art which is not an easy, not an easy task it's 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 messy like yeah it, it is mess so so to do that and 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 that may be very costly for for some people even more than than the others. So it's just yeah that helped me to appreciate uh devotees more a uh, very, very valuable uh lesson for me.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, I think, especially nowadays, there's this very common idea that spirituality is what the Uttamadikari stage is, and anything below that is not spiritual. Like, if you struggle, there must be something wrong with your practice. Yeah. That's, I, I constantly keep thinking about like Anartha Nivritti as like uh, being in rehab or like going through like withdrawals yes. from some kind of addiction, because that's really what it is. And so then if anybody says, or oh, if I start thinking it should be easier, then I'm just like, well, look at some guy who's trying to get rid of heroin. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they want to die. Like they are puking their brains out. Yeah. Yeah. They, The last thing they want to do is to get clean. But they know that that's part of the purification. Like it's just so intense. And that I don't know to me. I don't know if this works for other people. But for me, that always gives souls. It's like, yes, it's actually working that I feel so crappy, you know. Something's happening. I mean, it could be bad, of course. Then you know, that's tricky, too. You could be doing something wrong. You're pushing yourself in the wrong way, and it feels terrible. And you're like, yes, this is unauthentic because I feel so bad. But, <laughs> but you know, it, like you said, like, there's no way around it that it's a painful process at, at a certain level. And then, but but it, there's, there's, like, enjoying spirit, I think, that makes us want to feel like it should be like the Uttamadikari stage at all all times that yeah. we're always blissful and we love everybody and you know yeah. rainbows, unicorns kind of like that um so we only have four minutes until questions man i could talk with you like another two hours no problem but let me oh the last i think a good close-up i think would be a closing thing would be you had a bit of an uh um adventure with shamananda in, in audaria with the cows can you tell that story
1: with, with the cows
0: the car you know you guys oh the
1: car oh yeah 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 that's uh yeah it's a little bit <laughs> so we had um it's a funny story though uh we had this situation when actually you uh, you were going go much, right to poland i think maybe or somewhere okay. flying to you were flying somewhere right and you forgot your passport and you realized that
0: oh yeah yeah so I was actually the culprit I've totally written myself out of the story
1: yeah (laughs) it was your passport yeah so yeah you forgot your passport and it was too too late it was too late for you to go back to Audaria from San Francisco right so then we had this emergency when someone had to in order for you to get on a plane someone had to find your passport and drive a truck to towards San Francisco. And then another devotee was driving from San Francisco. Kind of we were supposed to meet in the middle to save time and get your passport. And then so I think Umarjo called Shyamalanda. And he said, like, someone has to do it. But there was only me and him at that time. And none of us has driving license. (laughs) Actually, I don't really drive a car. And Shyamalanda has a little bit experience of of racing (laughs) go-karts. So he asked me, like, can I do it? I said, like, like I don't know. Like, I, like I, I don't know how to do it, you know? Like, um, but Shemalanda said that that was really, I was really impressed by him. And that was, that was so nice because he said, he also didn't have driving license anything like that. But he said, uh, okay, I was born to do it. Groomarch asked me then, I was born to do it, I'll, I'll do it. So we, we went into the track and we kind of, Split the duties, so he was he was driving. he was behind the steering wheel. I think I was looking in the in the rear view mirrors to kind of see what was going on. <laughs> he has to slow down or something, you know. and we went we went down from our and we went to Philyla a little bit further, I think. I don't remember the Boonville maybe yeah, and then and then we met the devotee, so we didn't have to drive far, but I was that was quite a. Quite a funny story. But again, Shamananda is the, is the hero who who like really took the responsibility and yeah, like took up the challenge.
0: So. Nice. And for those who have never been to Audaria, these roads are like not easy to drive here. It's very steep and it's, it's not paved. There's all kinds of bumps and stuff in the road. It's this loose gravel and stuff. And Agni once drove off the road and flipped his car <laughs> when he was delivering milk for us. So yeah, anything could have happened. And it's so funny that I'd completely written my own, you know, screw up out of the story. I thought you guys had to like take cows to somewhere. I, I had a totally different version of it. Anyway, well, thanks thanks for saving me for not having to stay back. It was a great festival in, in Poland. <laughs> I got my passport. I. I had my passport here in the cabin. for some reason, that's what happened, I forgot to take it with me. Okay, well, that was an excellent ending. And then uh, we have a few minutes left. So if anybody has any questions for Gokul, please ask your questions. Um,
1: um, what is your any any thoughts the future, <laughs> thoughts for the future in London. S- sorry, what, what what are my plans for the future? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. In um, so, well, currently, currently, I'm I, I started like my career and so i moved into software development so to actually today before before this interview i had my first job interview and i finished like 10 minutes before before this started so i wasn't sure if i would make it so i'm starting this i um i've been uh one, one thing that uh i kind of decided uh, that it's important for me after having experience of being being an uh, odia and and a is to work on my, you know, on my um, emotional life and kind of heal things, so that it will be easier for me in the future. Like it, it will definitely give fruits in my practice. I I could uh, honestly see that already. But but in the future, I, I would I would love to go back. You know, like live in the ashram or close to the ashram of devotees. And I would like to focus more on that. On that, and I, I kind of understood, um, thanks to these ex- experiences that I had that you were talking about today, that I need to um, I need to kind of heal certain things in myself, you know, to to better embrace embrace my partner so that's kind of like something what I'm what I'm working on this at least that's my that's my motivation you know and I'm also trying to maybe at some point started working remotely just traveling more maybe visiting Guru Mahaj, more maybe going to Madhavan uh, more often and kind of going to that direction so that in like 10-20 years from now I'll be like um, my life will be more focused on that Thank you.
0: Yes. Might see you sometime when I'm
1: in England. Very mm-hmm. oh. well. Anybody else? I could ask a question if there's no one else. Um, previously, there was in the interview. Um, also one of the questions was what would you recommend, like what is the thing you can say from looking back at your spiritual path, what you would say uh, that like what how you have changed and also what you would recommend to the devotees, like what is for you the most important thing Mm -hmm. to do to practice or something? So I would say uh... I would say a few things. So first would be um how how important is, is uh Guru, how important is like Gumach you know in my life, in, in our lives. So th- like these experiences that I was talking about, they were at some point like quite humbling, you know. And I and I think that's very good very good because it helped me to realize that really it really comes down to the mercy that we get from from our guru, from Krishna, from other devotees. It kind of clearly showed me that it's not in my kind of it's not what I can do because I can't do really much, you know, like so just um the how much mercy we are getting from from much to to have such a person in our lives. That that's just that's just amazing. And like Gurumaj says it's not it's not what you know but who you know. And ultimately, in Bhakti, in in Bhakti, it is like that, you know. To to have someone in your life who is, um, who has you know so such a, such a relationship with Krishna, and that he kind of knows you, kind of remembers you, and this is this is uh, extremely fortunate. And another thing would be. To another thing that we were talking about is that it's actually I have very similar realizations to Gunishta. so there, it's very good it's very good that we feel that we are going through lotev. it's very it's a very good thing, and because that makes it uh, we can only uh, what I'm trying to say is that we can only receive mercy if we are we are humble and sincere. And, and if we if if like we have this kind of um, idea that by our own strength, we're doing this, we're doing that, we we can never like open ourselves up. So these experiences that I have, like I consider them a mercy from Krishna because it was to some degree, like kind of dismantling my ego, you know, uh, like, like bit by bit so i'm i I'm, I'm completely I look at it completely in a different different light before like I would feel like oh, I'm struggling, this is wrong, I should feel bliss or something i don't I absolutely don't look at it like that anymore. I'm actually happy because I know something's going on, and the more the more the more hearts get clean cleansed then then the more mercy the more mercy we can um receive. Um another thing would be to be more kind of um try to understand that that um everyone is struggling you know as as a devotees not not to judge one another not to try to kind of measure where so, where uh, where um someone is at you know we it's it's not possible and and another thing is to kind of distinguish that the struggles that we are going through like the struggles that i had uh, the ashrams they're not really coming from the other side so they're not really coming for from, from krishna like it's like something's bad happening we're going through of pretty really. but it's all coming from inside and that was actually my my realizations after some time like when i was I was in the ashram, I was struggling so I felt like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with the environment. Maybe I'm not being like, I'm not being appreciated enough. I'm not being seen enough. I'm not being this and I, I, maybe that's not right. That's not fair, that's not this. I'm I'm tired, I'm cold, you know, things like that. It wasn't conscious, but on a subconscious level, all all of, all of that is there. But um, so then I like, is this something wrong here? Like, is it not working? You know, like what, what is going on? But but from the perspective of time, it just, it just showed me like, no, 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 it's like in, in, in an environment like that, with this ego facing path that bhakti is, we have like a mirror in front of us and everything that is inside that is like undesirable, we have to deal with that. So uh, I would say that uh, kind of keep that in mind that um, it's not coming from the other side. This is something that we have to deal, we have to solve, we have to heal and uh, and it's it's uh, it's an opportunity for for uh, purification and for for growth. so always kind of appreciate that that uh, what's coming from there that side is always mercy. It may take like in a different form, maybe we can look at it and we may see like that doesn't look like mercy or something, but um there's always mercy uh, mercy coming in and and it is for for our uh, good even if we can't understand it at a particular uh, moment. So there's this kind of, I'm not saying that I have like, like a lot of trust or something like that, but I really like this statement of Shrashidha Maharaj when he said that, um, and I had it from one of the devotees here in London, he said that um, Krishna is not like he will take you in a dark alley and he will stab you in the back, you know. So he'll not do that. So whatever we think we are struggling with, just to have this appreciation and a little bit of of trust that it's for our uh, own good. Sorry, maybe I went a little bit too long with this, but.
0: (laughs) No, that was excellent. Really, really nice points. Yeah, like I said, I could definitely do this longer. But I guess uh, the idea is to keep them kind of short. Unless, does anybody else have a quick question to Gokul? Okay, well, with that, we can wrap it up. But uh, thanks so much for for giving this interview. And uh, I don't know, I, this just really, again, like um, confirmed to me that how important is It's like, you have all these awesome things to say. And since you don't put yourself out there, otherwise, it's good to pull people like you out. And then you get to talk and like share your understanding and stuff. Because it's, it's very useful. It's just, it's a great reminder. It, it does create the sense of like connection and community. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I will be doing this series maybe every six weeks or something because we have a certain kind of schedule for the Tattvavak classes. And I'm hoping I haven't talked to Maharaj yet, but I'm hoping that next one uh, who I'm going to interview is um, Bhakti Abhay Ashram Maharaj, since he hasn't been interviewed in this series yet. So let's see what happens. Maybe in six weeks or something. But thank you everybody for coming, and uh, let's stay in touch through Tattvavak and the Sunday calls and everything. Haribo.
1: Thank you Haigo thank you